You may find this hard to believe, but 60 songs that explain the 90s, America's favorite poorly named music podcast is back with 30 more songs and 120 songs total. I am your host, Rob Harvilla, here to bring you more shrewd musical analysis, poignant nostalgic reveries, crude personal anecdotes, and rad special guests all with even less restraint than usual. Join us once more on 60 Saws That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and Same game parlays, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Alrighty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Monday edition of New York, New York, where yours truly, JJ Johnson Stremsky, rocking and rolling, of course right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And I told you this a couple of days ago, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, but even more validation after what we saw over the course of the weekend. Guess New York baseball just wanted to take center stage before New York baseball started showing up in a big way here in this 2023 season. This was hands down collectively the best week the Yankees and the Mets have had here across the board. And it happens to come middle of May, right after we say goodbye to Jalen Brunson and the New York Knickerbockers. But as far as the importance, whose week was more important? The Mets and what they were able to do, the Yankees and what they were able to do. It's not even close. It is the New York Mets by an absolute mile. The Mets had a lot of negativity. The Mets had so many bad vibes tied to them over the first month of the year. Scherzer concerns. 
bottom of the lineup concerns, overall pitching concerns, starters here, right? Well north of five, for goodness sakes. It sure seemed like this week, everything was coming up Mets. You find me the game. The two wins against the Tampa Bay Rays. How about a couple of these wins against the Cleveland Guardians? Friday night, Mets down five to nothing. Carlos Carrasco is getting shellacked. Beatty hits a homer. It's a four-run game. Alonzo hits the grand slam to tie it. Then you think about how that game takes shape. You're down in the extra innings. Classe on the mound. And you're putting together these unbelievable at-bats. Vientos. Alvarez. Lindor walking it off against his old team. Picking up David Robertson. That was theme of the weekend. David Robertson's been the best met you could make the argument outside of Pete Alonso. Robertson had a rough weekend. He unked up the game on Friday and then game one of the doubleheader because we had a washout on Saturday. Mets have a lead. He gives up the bomb to Ramirez and the Mets go and pick up their closer again. And on Sunday, it's Starling Marte, who has been a zero for the first month and change of this year. And the Mets need him to hit. He's one of those guys. You need to lengthen that lineup. You've got a spark from the kids. You know what Alonzo provides. You know when Dor is going to hit, and he showed you that over the course of this weekend. Monster weekend he had. But getting Marte going, I think it's so imperative for this team. Because you saw what a difference maker and you saw what an impact player he can be when he's right. Gives you the two-run homer to take the lead. You go and win the first game of the double dip. Then the second game of the double dip, that was some vintage pitching. I mean, that game flowed. That game flew. Shane Bieber, Justin Verlander. Matching zeros. Verlander made the one mistake to Ramirez in the first inning. After that, he was brilliant. Hands down his best start as a New York Met. And that's kind of what the Mets drew up, right? Scherzer and Verlander. They happen to pitch in two games here with the doubleheader. The two future Hall of Famers. Scherzer's velocity is still not where it needs to be, but no one is going to complain about six shutout innings, which is, once again, a major step in the right direction for Scherzer. But Verlander was even better. And it's a 1-1 game. Lindor hits the homer to tie it. And it's, excuse me, single when basically the wrong guy in the middle infield covers when you have man in motion. Just goes to show you, when you put the ball in play and when you send runners and you do those little things, it leads to winning results. The Mets have first and third. McNeil hits the sack fly. And the Mets go and sweep this series. Cleveland has all sorts of issues. That's not our concern. That's not our problem. The Mets have had now a week that makes you feel far more, what's the word, positive about state of affairs with this team. How can you not? There are still some elements in play that are problematic. Don't get me wrong. But the Mets needed a pick-me-up. They got it from Alonzo earlier in the week. They got it from the kids earlier in the week. And then over the course of the weekend, it's Lindor against this former team, Rakin having a couple of moments, Marte coming alive, and the big two, Scherzer and Verlander, doing what they are supposed to do. That is as good a week as the Mets have had in 2023. 
Now we'll see if they can carry it over to Chicago over the course of the week. But if you're a Mets fan, middle of May, welcome to the 2023 Major League Baseball season. Now for the other team in town, it seems like over the last two weeks, the Yankees have righted the ship. But there was a challenge this weekend against the lowly Cincinnati Reds. It's a challenge, simply put, the Mets did not answer and did not deal with in a positive way a couple weeks ago when they lost two or three to this crummy Reds team. I want to see the Yankees go and lay the lumber. And the Yankees, it was not easy for them. They didn't win these games 15-5. to Saturday's game was a sweat. Rizzo had to bail you out. And Sunday's game was not easy. You got the return of Luis Severino. Boy, was it nice to see him back in a Yankee uniform. I know we spend a lot of time talking about the Yankee, uh, Yankee offense and the concerns postseason time with the Yankee offense. Well, if the Yankees are going to do anything in October, they need their big pitchers. They need Garrett Cole, and they need Luis Severino and Carlos Rodon. Well, this is the first time you saw Severino. He gives up a run in the first inning. Well, for Gazy, if you ask me. And then settled in and got better and better and better as the game went on. That is a monster key to the Yankees season. Having Severino atop the rotation, taking the ball every fifth day, doing his thing. You need Severino out there for the Yankees. So seeing him get into the fifth inning, I think that is a major, major positive. And offensively speaking, you know who has really jump-started this team? And I know I've probably said it on multiple podcasts, but it's worth repeating. Harrison Bader is a winning baseball player. That's just all there is to it. Harrison Bader is a gamer. He's fantastic in center field. And he's done a really nice job of lengthening out this Yankee lineup. He's had a lot of big hits since he's come back in early May. Has he not? You that one nothing in this game against Hunter Green, boom, he hits a two-run homer. And basically, it's Bader's homer, it's Gleyber Torres and his homer, and then Volpe ripping a double down the left field line. That ends up being the difference in the game, a game of which Aaron Judge did not play. I love these Peacock games, by the way, at 11 o'clock. They are fantastic. I wish the Yankees played at 11.30 every Sunday, especially during the summer, because then I could start maybe getting diabolical and start thinking about playing late afternoon tee times on the golf course. Today was just perfect because it allowed me to go right into not only the Mets, but it allowed me to go right into the PGA Championship, which we'll talk about in a matter of moments. But Job well done by the Yankees. And, you know, I was asked about this on TV earlier about Boone because the team has rallied. They are now five and a half games out of first place. They are six games back to Tampa in the loss column, and they've righted the ship. And I give the manager a hard time. So I was asked, are you going to give the manager credit for the Yankees coming alive? And I'm like, no, this is what they're supposed to do. This is what the Yankees were supposed to be at the beginning of the year. We're throwing bouquets the way the manager because the team is six games out of first place. The Yankees should be nine games over 500. They were one of the favorites to go and win the World Series this year. So, no, uh, listen, I'll throw bouquets the manager's way when they start winning in the postseason. When they actually do something they haven't done in 13 plus years, which is get to a World Series. That's when the bouquets, my way, will start coming. And I will acknowledge that and I will own that. I'm more than happy to give all the credit and all the praise in the world for if indeed that ends up being the case. But now you look, the Yankees are nine games over 500. They've had a very good stretch of baseball since that Tampa series 
in early May. Really, really good stretch of baseball. It started with Oakland, into Tampa, played Tampa well, and then you kind of took it from there. But the AL East is no joke. And buckle up, because the Yankees, they have three games with the red-hot Baltimore Orioles, who swept the Toronto Blue Jays this weekend. They are 31-16. and 16. You know, a lot of people are talking about Tampa. And I get it. Tampa, loaded. Tampa, 34 and 14. The Orioles are 31 and 16. A young emerging team that scores a ton of runs. This is going to be a fascinating couple of days at Yankee Stadium. Because I think for some, they're going to say, all right, how real, how legitimate are the Baltimore Orioles? I know they can hit. I don't know if they can pitch enough. That was kind of my feeling on them at the beginning of the year. It's kind of my feeling on them right now. Another interesting test for the Yankees. And they'll have Cole and they'll have Nesta Cortez going in this series. But it seems like things are looking up in Yankee land. Things are definitely looking up in Metland. And I guess these New York baseball teams just needed center stage to jumpstart their 2023 season. So job well done. Big week. Best week on record for either one of these teams. Happened same week in the middle of May. Now, a couple of quick thoughts. Number one, hats off to Brooks Kafka. I was in the golf. I watched a lot of the golf on Saturday and Sunday. I watched every all the leaders on Saturday. And today, I basically sat there for five hours watching Kepka, watching our guy Block, the PGA Pro. What an incredible story. That was the hole-in-one. I mean, are you kidding me? He ends up getting a hole-in-one. And it has the up and down, and it makes the putt to go and make next year's PGA Championship. I mean, that's storybook stuff. They might be making movies about that. Simmons might be producing them. Who the hell knows? But for Bruce Kepka, I said that I'm going to say this when Mike Carver, who our buddy Sports Grid, we do a lot of stuff, gambling stuff. I go way back with Carver and have a little fun with him in a little bit. I ask anybody who's out there, and I'm going to exclude Phil from this because Phil obviously is a contemporary of Tiger Woods. But post Tiger, find me the guy out of any of these young guys that's had a better career than Brooks Koepka. Can't do it. And I'm not saying that Scheffler can't get to that point. I'm not saying that Rom can't get to that point. Brooks Koepka, look at what he's done in the major championships. He's now already won three PGAs. He's already put himself in like that top 20 all-time of guys winning majors. He's an assassin. And the fact that he overcame the adversity of his knee and deals with what happened at Augusta, and then comes back a month later and wins the PGA, he could flat out dominate major tournaments. Post-Tiger, my buddy Steve Nyker brought this to my attention. I totally agree with the take. Find me a guy in the post-Tiger era that's better than Brooks Kepka. that's had a career that's better than Brooks Kepka. And don't tell me Rory McIlroy, because Rory hasn't won a major in a decade. And I don't give a rat's ass about FedEx Cubs and the Charles Schwab, and some of these other tournaments, I care about majors. Fair on fair. That's how you grade it. So, post-Tiger, right now, that, that power ranking of players, Bruce Kepka, number one. Not number one right now in the world. You know, Rahm and Sheffler, they do it every week. I understand that. Totality of career, it's Kepka. And Hobbin was on his ass. I mean, the amazing thing about the golf, Kepka on Saturday plays with Connors. Connors hits the ball in the trap. Boom. Double bogey. 
Hovland's playing great. He's scaring me because I got a future on Kepka. I'm like sweating it out. I'm like, come on, man. I want this. I want this. And the same thing happens to Hovland. Insanity. Absolute insanity. One more thought. NBA is not going to be happy with the results over the last couple of days. And on Saturday, the officials tried everything in their power to give the Los Angeles Lakers that game, and it didn't matter. Like, the fourth foul call on Jokic was as bad a call, and then they reviewed it, and they still didn't overturn the call. And it didn't matter because that's how relentless the Nuggets were in the fourth quarter of that game. They're a better team. They are the vastly superior team. And whether it's over in four or five, it's semantics at this point. The Denver Nuggets, for the first time in their franchise history, they're going to the NBA Finals. And then you had the Celtic Heat Series. Any Nick fan out there? I- I'm feeling better about what I saw in the Eastern Conference semifinals considering the absolute no-show you got from the Celtics. The Celtics, and everybody said it, they quit in Game 3. They quit. Frustrated downtrodden, whatever the case may be, they quit. Miami has broken them. And Miami's a frustrating team to play. They're smart. They have high basketball IQ. They make the right basketball play. They swing the ball beautifully. If it's not Butler, it's Vincent. If it's not Vincent, it's Struess. It's a different guy every night. But they have their go-to guy. They have the best coach in the NBA. And they're a well-oiled machine. The Celtics are not. They are not the same Celtics from last year. They don't defend the same way. They don't move the basketball the same way. They're not as well coached. And I'm coming back from SOI, and I had the Celtic game on in the car when I was driving SOI. So I'm here in Missoula, and I don't usually watch a lot of these post-game presses because we're working. I'm between TV and what I'm doing here podcast-wise. We usually don't have time. Missoula sounds so lost and so in over his head, it's comical. How do you get that job? In, in, in all honesty, how did he get that job? I know Will Hardy left. I know he was on his staff. I know he was a terrific player. I loved him at West Virginia. He's overmatched. He is completely in over his head coaching against Eric Spolstra. His team didn't exactly help his case because they no-showed. And now Miami, one went away from the NBA Finals. Miami, who is an eight seed, who lost to Atlanta and was down to Chicago with five minutes to play is now one win away from the NBA Finals. And this Celtic team is going to lose in four straight games because you think the Celtics are giving you a fight after what you saw in game three? I wouldn't put my money on that. Feel better about what I saw from the Knickerbockers in that series after seeing Boston. My goodness. That's embarrassing. You go and lose a series like that, that is the sort of series that signals wholesale dramatic, insane type of change. And it's justified. And it's completely warranted. So, Denver, Miami. If you had that on your bingo card in the NBA Finals at the start of the year, more power to you. All right, we'll take a couple of calls that my buddy Mike Carver, who you guys love, we go way back, big Bills guy, does all the gambling stuff and loves betting on the golf. So we had a little fun. We were going through all the stuff with the PGA and we'll kind of set the stage for you guys. If you're going to bet it, Next month with the U.S. Open, if you're going to go and bet the U, uh, the British Open in a few months, Mike's, Mike's got you covered. But let's take some calls. They're coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. All right, voicemail time. Here we go. The number, of course, and a couple of programming notes. I'm going to be with the East Coast Bias Boys Monday, as in tomorrow. We'll have a pot on all the NBA playoff action. Raheem Palmer and I, because Joe House is on jury duty. That's coming up tomorrow. Um, we will not have a New York, New York on Tuesday. We will be rocking on Thursday. So two shows this week, and then we will have an East Coast Bias Wednesday, which will be on FanDuel TV. We'll be on... Uh, the Ringer gambling feed, all that good stuff. So we'll be scaling back a little bit this week, but don't worry, we'll be uh, we'll be factoring in our, our third moving show. I, I don't know what we're gonna do. We might do some Twitter Spaces. We'll uh, we'll figure it out in the days ahead. But no Tuesday pod, Monday, Wednesday gambling pod, and then we're back Thursday to set the stage for Memorial Day weekend. Uh, and I don't think we're gonna have any basketball to worry about. Memorial Day weekend, which is just insane and, and very, very hard to believe. But credit to the Nuggets, credit to the Heat. And uh, I'm loving the fact that the Boston Celtics are completely imploding for the world to see. This is fantastic. Can't believe I'm rooting as hard for the Heat as I am, but it's not even close. I mean, it's not even close. Boston, Miami, no. Go Heat. Go Heat. And especially when you have a future for the Heat and the Nuggets. Can't lose. Remember that clear eyes, full hearts from Friday Night Lights? Can't lose. That's me. Maybe with Brooks Kepka, a couple of tickets going into the NBA Finals. Exactly what I need. That puts a little giddy up in your staff. All right, let's take some calls. Carlos, who's doing a fantastic job filling in for Stefan. Stefan right now in Sweden. That should be an interesting scouting report when he comes back. Uh, let's hear some calls. Go ahead, Carlos. Hey, JJ, it's Anthony from Tom's River. I uh, just uh, finished watching the completion of the three-game sweep with Cincinnati. I know you said they had to get at least two out of the three, if not all three, and they, they were able to do that. Uh, my question is, is that, you know, as the Yankees are kind of rolling here, you know, one of the biggest weaknesses right now with this team is who's going to finish the ninth inning. You know, Clay Holmes came in today, and, you know, he may not be the uh, permanent solution, but for today it was fine. I mean, a three-run lead in the ninth, you got to – you got to finish the, the job there, and he made it very interesting, but definitely a guy that I'm sure most Yankee fans don't trust. So I uh, was just kind of wondering to see what do you think the long-term solution is? Is it somebody on the roster right now, maybe someone like Michael King or Wandy, or do you think the Yankees are going to go out at some point during uh, June or July and, and pick it up a, a closer for uh, the rest of the season? All right, JJ, take care. It's a great question, Anthony. You're right about Clay Holmes. I don't trust him in the ninth inning at this point in time because of two reasons. Number one, he pitches to contact. You want a guy who's going to miss bats in the ninth inning. Number two, it's control. It's too erratic. Can't have that if you pitch in the ninth inning. It just leads to too many issues and too many problems. I think for the time being, it's kind of a committee type deal. It's a little bit of King. It's a little bit of Wandy. 
You know the Yankees are dying to get Tommy Canley back in the mix, and maybe he ends up as a part of that equation. I absolutely think the Yankees will add a reliever between now and the July 31st trade deadline. You know they're hoping to get good news on Jonathan Loisega. Maybe he's a part of that solution if he comes back, but right now you can't assume that he's going to be a major part of what they're looking to do. But yeah, I would expect that. I think the Yankees will be more likely to go and get themselves a big reliever in July than they will be to go and get themselves a big starter, especially if Rodon's coming back. Because if Rodon's coming back, you got Cole, Severino, Rodon, Cortez. And Herman is throwing the ball well for the Yankees, aside from this whole cheating thing. You're setting your rotation, if that's the case. But it's the middle of May. A lot can change between now and the end of July. And I didn't mention this in the open. And shame on me for not mentioning this in the opening. Because Saturday was a day to rejoice, if you're a fan of the New York Yankees. I can't believe I didn't work this in there. But a long national nightmare is over! Aaron Hicks, goodbye. Sayonara. I thought this day would never come. Designated for assignment. Hallelujah. And the crazy thing about Hicks getting DFA'd, he actually had probably his most productive week in like two years with the way he hit against Toronto and whatnot. Credit the Yankee front office. They didn't want to play him. He didn't want to be there. Enough is enough. Simple as that. And, you know, I, I saw this on my social media feed a little bit. Oh, how are you celebrating a guy losing his job? Hold on a second now. This is not a guy, Goldman Sachs, losing his job. This is not a New York City school teacher losing his job. This is a guy who made $70 million losing his job. His grandchildren don't need to work for the rest of their lives. Are you kidding me? Thank God he's off my team. Enough of Aaron Hicks. These soliloquies from, from Yankee fans. Oh, I feel, what do, you, what do you feel sorry about? These are professional athletes. I understand they're people. That's great. You got a job to do. He was given way too much of an opportunity for way too long and failed miserably. That's showbiz, baby. This move should happen a year and a half ago as far as I'm concerned. It didn't. I kind of buried the little bit. Aaron Hicks gone. And I know, Jake Bowers, uh, Willie Calhoun still having a spot on the Yankees. Not exactly what you dream of for your everyday left fielder, but it's good for this front office and this ownership group to acknowledge, hey, let's eradicate a mistake. That Hicks contract is going to go down to one of the worst contracts Brian Cashman ever gave out. You know, and I saw this too. Some people saying for a time that he was like the best or one of the best center fielders in baseball. But what? Maybe that's just because center field and baseball is just an abomination. Aaron Hicks had one good year with the Yankees. 2018. You want me to read your stat lines? For anybody who says this guy was one of the best center fielders in baseball. When? In, in 2018 for one year? Yeah, sure. You could sell me on that. Because in 2018, he was, and I have the stats to back it up, 248, 27, and 79. With 90 walks and 833 OPS. That's a very, very good season. 2017 was an okay season. 
Hit 266 with 15 homers and 52 RBIs. That's okay. Good OPS. Okay. I mean, aside from that, 235 and 12, 225 and 6, 194 and 4, 216 and 8. His first year with the Yankees, 217 and 8. I mean, what are we doing here? Is the barn a standard that low now from a Yankee perspective that this is what we're celebrating? I mean, come on. You guys should be, you guys and gals should be smarter than that. But it just goes to show you, some people just want to say something positive. And I'm a positive guy. But sometimes you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all. That's really the way I look at it. So, forgot to bury the lead. I mean, my goodness. All the great stuff that happened this weekend. Aaron Hicks got DFA'd. Throw that on the list. All right, who's next? JJ, it's Anthony and Syosset. I'm not leaving a voicemail about the Yankees or the Knicks or the Giants. Not even leaving a voicemail about any of those sports aforementioned. Uh, I'm leaving a voicemail, JJ, because every now and then, you know, we wager, right? We gamble. We like to play. We like to play in Vegas, the tables, the cards, the blackjack, the dice. And we like to play the games. And every now and then, you know, quite often, right? You know, our buddy Stu out in the compound in Farmingdale once told us, I'll never forget it, even the best, even the best only hit 58, 59 if they're lucky 60% of the time. So we have our losses, we have our stories that we share, we have, you know, the, the losses you'll never forget, but every now and then you get a big one. You get a big one and that's what fishes you back in and it keeps you coming back for more. And I'm going to tell you, for me at least this time around, I'm going to take a little break, savor it and enjoy it. How about getting Kepka? Not Thursday for me. How about getting Kepka Friday morning? I think he was two or three over and the leader at the time was, you know, minus two or three. So he was within striking distance. And then he had that legendary Friday that basically, you know, brought him into the pack over the weekend. He took the lead Saturday and he never gave it back. We had a few scares today. You know, we had computer on the WhatsApp chat trying to jinx it with his bullshit after the third hole. We had a few scares, JJ, but I got Kepka on Friday at 40 to 1. 40 to 1. Now, obviously, the other sickness is, you know, you hit a 40 to 1 and you always wish you bet more, but I'll take it. I'm going to take my 40 to 1. I'm not going to place a wager for a while. I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm a Brooks guy. And you know Brooks is Florida. And you know what that means. I don't want to get too deep into it on the New York, New York podcast. But I'm going to enjoy my Brooksy, my 40 to 1 computer. You tried to fuck us, but it didn't work. And I know you were on Brooksy, too. Why don't you tell the listeners, JJ? God bless you, baby. And God bless Brooks Kepka. Well, God bless Brooks Kepka indeed, Anthony and Sayah said. Oh, I wish I got 40 to 1. I bet it before the tournament. I got Kepka. On FanDuel Sportsbook at 23 to 1. And on East Coast Bias, our world-famous gambling show with Joe House, Raheem Palmer, and House, the big golf guy. So I wanted to pepper him with a bunch of the guys that I liked going into the week. Because I don't like, I don't bet golf every week. There's too much going on. I don't have time for it. I will bet the majors. You know, you take a couple of guys you like, you take them top 10, you take them top five, you take them to win. Kepka was one of those guys. I thought with the way he looked at Augusta, the way, I, and we don't watch the lift. None of us watch the lift. So I'm not going to pretend that I'm watching the lift. Still winning on the lift. And I'm like, this is a guy maybe who's finally healthy. He's finally back. He looked back at Augusta for three days. It kind of imploded because Patrick Kenley was taking too long on Sunday. He was ready. And yeah, he had a couple of scares. He had to pull out of bounds, cautious stroke. Hovland played great. I mean, give Victor Hovland a lot of credit. He buried some putts. He bombed some drives. 
in Connors. Same bugaboo. Same hole. Same bunker. Same shot. And Brooksy made him pay. Every time it felt like Hovland was getting there or Sheffler was making a push, Brooks would come back and birdie a hole. Host Tiger Woods. Credit Steve Nykam on this. Great follow on Twitter, by the way. Good buddy of mine. He's a thousand percent right. Post Tiger Woods. Take a fill out of this. Find me the golfers that had a better career than Brooks Kepka. I'm taking Brooks' career or Rory's career. It's not even close. It's not even close. Let's take one more. Hey, Didge. This is John from Long Island. Great Yankee sweep this weekend. But I'm calling about the Aaron Hicks DFA. Look, it was time. Clearly, it wasn't working out here anymore. And he needed to go. And we needed the roster spot. But there's a few things I want to remind my fellow fans. One, he's a human being. Just remember that. He's a person, not just a character on TV. And second, he had some really big moments for us uh, back, particularly between 2017 and 2019. You know, I'm thinking of the homer off Justin Verlander at home in the ALCS. I'm thinking about that enormous catch he made in center field in Minnesota. Um, and even last year, off Ryan Presley, he had a big ninth-inning game-tying home run. He was one of the best center field defenders there for a little bit. And he was a part, a key part, of some really fun Yankee teams. So thanks for all the happy memories, Aaron Hicks. You know, best of luck wherever you go. Uh, seems like he's a good guy if you listen to people talk about him. And, yeah, I'm just I'm choosing this moment to be appreciative for what he brought to the Yankees rather than harboring all the frustrations we've had with him over the past two years. Thanks, Jage. Wow. Johnny taking the high road there on Aaron Hicks. Uh, I can't say that I did. Um, I will give you this. I was in the building for game five in 2019. That was probably my favorite Aaron Hicks moment as a Yankee. The ball off the foul pole against Verlander. You mentioned that Twins epic regular season game. I remember it well. Back and forth, haymaker after haymaker. I want to say that was the 2019 season. And that was when Ruko was getting all those insane Yankee calls. I felt like he was getting every nutty, every insane Yankee game imaginable. And that one was a doozy. There was a time Aaron Hicks was a really good outfielder. But the last couple of years, he's been a subpar outfielder. To the point where his defense has been a liability. And it's nothing personal. But the Yankees and Brian Cashman made a big mistake. Because they saw the 2018 season. And instead of looking at it and saying, hey, I want to see more. They said, no, let's try to reward a player we think is growing and is going to continue to be what he was and give him a long-term extension. The Yankees gave out two contract extensions after the 2018 season. Hicks, seven years, thought it was way too long, ended up being a colossal mistake. Severino, which I was very much on board with, ended up not working out because Severino has just gotten hurt. But it's crazy. They went and extended those guys, but they didn't do that with Aaron Judge. And they paid the piper for that because Judge had the year of his life going into free agency and you had to pay him a gazillion dollars. So poor roster mismanagement as far as that goes. But I don't want to harp on a negative because Aaron Hicks is no longer a Yankee. 
Luis Severino is back doing his thing for the Yankees, and the Yankees won a bunch of games this week. So I'm in a good mood about my baseball team. And a Met fan should be in a good mood about their baseball team. I'm just in a good mood, period. Brooks Kepka wins. I got the, the heat and the nuggets alive and well. Like this, there's a lot. There's a lot to like. There's a lot to like. All right, Mike Carver, who is one of our good pals. Uh, you have him, we have him on all the time. He's the Big Bills Mafia guy, sports grid. He's doing all the sports gambling stuff. We'll have some fun with Carver. Uh, dissecting everything we saw here in this PGA championship. What a weekend at golf up in Rochester, New York. That's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Wow, what a weekend. PGA lives up to the billing. A tremendous Sunday across the board. A little extra pep in my step because I had the outright Brooks Kepka at 22 to 1. I know this guy had a lot of, you know, beaks in play, but he ended up bringing home the winner. So I figured it's a perfect time to welcome back our pal. You see him all the time on Sports Grid. He's got his own thing going at night. He's working with Scotty Farrell, our main man, the great Carver. Hi, Mike Carver. Buddy, welcome back to New York, New York. JJ, always good to be here, my man. And yes, uh, a very big Sunday up in Rochester here for us for the PGA Championship. You know that uh, we're always heavily involved, not just with the majors, but every week. But yes, uh, we came across the finish line with a couple things this week. Well, dude, I know you love betting golf week in and week out. So I figured you'd be the perfect guy to bring on today. Uh, you know I'm a Kepka guy. I love his game. I love that he brings it in the majors. It feels like consistently. And I was thinking about this right after he's holding up the Wanamaker at the end of the day today. Post Tiger Woods, can you name me a golfer that's been better than Brooks Kepka? Because I don't have one for you, Mike. I mean, I don't want to hear Rory. Guy hasn't won a major in over a decade. Rahm and Scheffler obviously more recently have been unbelievable. But, I mean, I look at the body of work for Brooks Kepka and all these majors and the way he continues to win majors. You give me a guy post-Tiger that's better than this dude. I can't find one. Well, look, obviously, it depends on how the person wants to judge uh, how they judge golf. You know, there are some people, JJ, that only care about how many majors you win, and that's it. You know, running or, you know, winning any of these other tournaments throughout the year, the Travelers, the the Charles Schwab, you know, the Pe AT&T Pebble Beach. Uh, some people don't care how many of those tournaments you win. They only care about what happens uh, at the Masters, the PGA, the U.S. Open, and the Open Championship, which we, of course, still call the British Open because that's what it really is. So if you'd go by that standard, the standard of majors, there hasn't been uh, anybody better than him. Uh, when you look, you're talking about five now, JJ. This guy is in... Uh, he's in a different area code now. When you start talking, when you get into five and more, that's a short list. And I think that uh, even Amanda said it to me, asked, I think, in, the, in that post game. Uh, and she said he's the 20th. Uh, 20th. Think about that, JJ. The 20th golfer to get to five majors. That's pretty damn good. And I don't think he's done. I think he had a lull for a few years. Obviously, injuries really hurt him. He came into this year with a purpose. And he showed you at the Masters that, you know, he had that old Brooks look to him. 
And then this weekend, he he really uh, kicked the door down. And he's got he does have a thing with New York, JJ. We were at Bethpage uh, when he won for the PGA Championship, uh, won at Shinnecock, and now has won uh, upstate at Oak Hill. So uh, what a job by him. Amazing. Isn't it wild, dude, that in two consecutive days, the dude he's playing with hits the exact same shot in the whip of the sand trap that basically seals Saturday for Brooks Kepka. And, and I want to give Hovland credit, Mike, because I thought he played brilliantly today. I thought he played really well. I thought he made some money putts. He kind of hung in. He made this far more interesting than I thought it was going to be at around 3, 3.15 this afternoon. But second day in a row, dude, guy playing with Kepka hits the exact same shot into the lip of the sand trap, bro. You can't hey, make it up. You make a case. It, it, is, it is freaky that it was the same exact shot in the same exact spot. Really weird. I mean, you can make a case he doesn't do that. We might still be playing uh, right now. We, we, might, we might still be playing. There might have been extra golf uh, if he doesn't double that hole. Uh, and, he's, and he stays right around there with Brooks. Now, does Brooks, Brooks play the last couple holes differently? Sure. He had a four-shot lead then going to 17. It was a much different story. He played 17 pretty lax. But Hovland has become a guy now, JJ. He's like the next guy. This is three majors in a row now where he's played in the final pairing. He's got, you know, he he finished one of them in seventh. He had a real bad day, but the other two were top fives. He's a guy that we need to start, you know, looking at for every major that he's going to kick the door down at some point. Now, there's been other guys who have kind of been there, but haven't for a major. With like Willie Z last year, had all those top fives, and then unfortunately he's gotten hurt, um, and he's not going to be around for any of them this year. But Hovland's a guy that we have to watch, especially I think when we go over to the British uh, in July, where he was in the final pairing a year ago. Give me a couple of guys. You're doing this every week. You're throwing out plays every single week for every single one of these tournaments. Who are some guys we should be looking at for the next couple of weeks and then the two big majors we have coming up in LA for the US Open and then, of course, the British Open in July? Hovland obviously has played well so far this year. Who are a couple other guys, Mike Carver, you have circled saying, you know what? They might break through by the end of this season. Uh, I would say in the next couple of weeks, obviously the U.S. Open, which is going to be at the L.A. Country Club uh, coming up Father's Day weekend. And I love J.J. We love when they have the West Coast majors because now you're talking the back nine. Primetime golf, prime time on Saturday oh, yeah. and Sunday night, uh, which is outstanding. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I think there's a few guys. Now, some of them didn't play very well this weekend. Uh, I'm still a big buyer in Cameron Young, even though he was awful this week. Uh, I think that he's going to break through at some point with one of these majors. Before this one, he had been, he'd finished very high in the last four or five of them. He's a guy we want to look at. Max Homa's won a bunch, JJ, but majors have kind of been his bugaboo so far. And everybody's gearing up for him at the LA Country Club. He's a Cali guy. He's an LA guy. He's Cali won a lot, of his, yep. a lot of his tournaments have been West Coast wins. So they, they feel like he just plays better out there. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him uh, at that major for the U.S. Open because everybody's talking him up. So I think that's another guy uh, that's going to be on our radar for the rest of the year. Uh, some guys that i kind of been after every week, J.J., because I think they've got some wins coming. Guys that have been playing pretty good golf aside from this week. I think you have to take this week and kind of throw it a little bit to the side. It, it was rough Thursday and Friday. I mean, rough. But I was like playing a U.S. Open, Mike, 
felt like a U.S. Open it with did. those conditions. And, and there's Brutal. a few guys who did. Like I love. So I think Sun J M is a is a really good player. Now he also decided to go like fly to Korea, play in a tournament there, and then fly back and play the and play this week. Probably didn't go well for him. That's why he shot 13 over or 14 over, whatever he did on Thursday and Friday. Uh, he's a guy for me uh, that I'm going to be involved with uh, for the next couple of majors, especially the U.S. Open as well. Uh, so there are some guys on the rise uh, for sure, uh, no doubt. And, and I think Tommy Fleetwood's getting close to J.J. He's another guy that teases. Um, you know, he'll have a huge Saturday and then he'll kind of fall back on Sunday. But I think that his day's coming also at some point. Maybe he's a good British Open guy as well. You know, I might have buried the lead here, Carver, because as cool as it was that Brooksy ends up winning yet another major and we had some drama on Sunday, this story with Blossom. I mean, you couldn't get enough. I couldn't get enough. He gets the hole-in-one where Rory basically tells him he gets the hole-in-one and then he needs to finish top 15 in order to make next year's PGA has the crazy up and down, makes the putt. All you people, the Rochester Bills Mafia that found their way over to Oak Hill. Dude, they serenade him like there's no tomorrow, bro. That was, that, that's the highlight of the weekend, man. Seeing a PGA pro go and finish top 15 in the championship, insane. Right. And you will see the PGA make that their focus uh, coming out of this weekend, obviously because of, and it, and it you know, CBS obviously, you know, ignored it, which, you know, it is what it is at this point. Uh, and that's Brooks. You ain't going to see him again for a while. He plays on live. So Brooks now, you'll, he'll come back at the U.S. Open. You won't see him. It's not like this week when they go to the Charles Schwab, you know, oh, look at Brooks coming off winning, uh, you know, the PGA Championship. No, nah, their story is this guy. And this is an absolutely ridiculous story. This guy who's a club pro out in California, and they, and they do this every year, JJ. There's 15 spots. I have no idea what the qualification process is. They probably play in some tournament and they all get in all over the country. There's thousands of these guys and only 15 of them play for him to get into it. And it's one thing to be the high guy out of the club pros to be playing in one of the final pairings with Rory McIlroy on Sunday and to dunk in the ace on fifth. I mean, he dunked it in on the fly, which you never see. It was something special. The shot he hit on 18 in the crowd to put himself in position. The little roll-in on 18 with that putt. It was. It is storybook stuff. It's the type of stuff that they make movies about, JJ. You know that. This is the type of stuff like, you know, the rookie, Dennis Quay. Like, this is the type of stuff that 15, 20 years from now, like, this is one hell of a story. Like, we got we, we got to track this guy's weekend here at, at Oak Hill. This is crazy. Well, we know some Hollywood people over at The Ringer. Yeah. Uh, Bill from Los Angeles. Yeah. If you're looking for your next project, there you go. Maybe the uh, the Michael Block movie. It'll be. I will figure out who's going to play Michael Block, and you know, maybe Carver and I could get an assistant yeah. producer role, and uh, you know, add to our SAG qualifications. Uh, I love that the sound sounds of that. Good to um, me. Buddy, you. Oh, I know you ain't kidding. Uh, your people in Western New York and Central New York, uh, they put on one hell of a show. Are they getting? Are they getting ready for those Bills-Jets games and those Bills-Dolphin games, man? That was some high-energy stuff this week. There was a lot of mafia at that, at that golf tournament all weekend. You saw a lot of blue and red. You saw a lot of flags. You saw a lot of hats. And it's their territory. It's their people. And they did a hell of a job. Listen, New York majors always bring the thunder. Beth Page is always awesome. Shinnecock's always awesome. And now even kicking it upstate. 
uh, here this week in Rochester. They were awesome. And that's a great thing. I'm We missed this, JJ. We had two years and none of this. You had two years at a... I remember them coming back and there was no crowds and how it's just forever. I mean, uh, it wasn't it just golf. It was weird in baseball and it was weird in, in everything bubbles with the NBA and NHL. Yeah, what a difference when you have all those people going absolutely bonkers uh, for some club pro, you know, who's <laughs> hitting a hole in one. I think it was awesome. The Rochester fans were great and it, and it makes it a big part of the event when the crowd is good. It enhances it, and I, and I thought it did this weekend with a good leaderboard, an unbelievable underdog story, and a great crowd. Uh, it's all good stuff here. And, Brooke, how about this, Chet? I had to go and look, JJ. They've already got Brooks. It's been impossible to crack the top three guys at all these majors for the odds board. Scotty, Rom, and McElroy are always the top three guys. Any tournament that they're in, they're on the betting board. But Brooks is pretty damn close to him now. They've moved Brooks up to 14 to 1 for the U.S. Open. Well, bro, I can tell you this. We ain't getting 22 to 1 anytime soon with Brooks Kepka. So we should enjoy the fact that we got it here in the PGA. Now, I'm not going to bet him in the next two. Are you going to bet him in the next two? I can't do no. it, Carver, but no. like, I'm not going to be surprised. No. You can't. You can't do it. But and, and here's what really kills me. The week of the Masters. Now, he ended up not, not winning anyway, so... And I, I think I said it to you and I said it to a couple others. I was like, man, this was before he won the live event leading into the Masters. I was like, they're hanging Brooksy at 80, 80 to one. I, I mean, for the Masters next week. I mean, you got to be kidding me. And sure enough, he wins the live event and they drop them down to 30, 35. And even still, I was like, that's a pretty damn good price for Brooks. Look at the way he's playing. Then he's 21 coming into this. Now he's 14 for the U.S. Open next week. Uh, that's, that's nuts. And they probably have him pretty high for the open 16 to one, the fourth choice. Also, he's now gotten past everybody. He's the fourth choice on the betting board for the next two majors where he should be. Uh, since I have you here, your bills, they were taking over Rochester, New York. I saw Allen there. I saw Von Miller there. Um, you know how it played out last year. They win a division. They barely beat Skylar Thompson. They get smoked by Joe Burrow and the Bengals. They're the betting favorite to win the AFC East, the best division in the NFL, Mikey. Buffalo plus 130, the overvalued Jets. I know the Jet fan audience is going to love to hear that from me at plus 250. And the Miami Dolphins at plus 290. New England at 750. Any initial thoughts on those odds boards there to win the AFC East? Yeah, I think you should run and get the Bills now. That's what I think you should run and do. You should run and get the Bills now because the price is honestly... uh, I think the price is silly. I mean, I, they probably shouldn't be minus money like a couple of the other divisions are. So I get that. But that price has now been, you know, moved because of the Jets getting, uh, getting. I almost said Favre there, uh, JJ. I almost said the Jets getting Favre. Uh, a little Jet, funny. It's Jet, maybe from you. <laughs> Jets I don't know. getting Aaron Rodgers. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, and, and you're a Dolphin. I think the Dolphins should be ahead of the Jets, quite honestly, on the division board. I think the Dolphins are better than the Jets. I, I just do. I think the Jets are the well, third best Tua team. Can play, well, that's the problem. If Tua can that's play, you know, the amount of games, if he is, what, 17, 18 weeks? If he can play 15, 16 games, I would agree right, with that but opinion. We that's the million-dollar question with the Dolphins. Do the Jets or the Dolphins scare you more from a Bills perspective? The Honestly, the Dolphins scare me more. Just for, because I, I thought that the Dolphins – now the. You know this, the Bills had been beating up the Dolphins for a while before last year. 
And and we know there was a lot that went on with the Bills at the end of last season. We've heard them all now months later talk about how much was going on and how much it affected them. So even though they didn't want to use excuses when they lost to the Bengals, clearly there was excuses that they just wanted to hide down the road and then just start to slowly filter them out uh, as the as you got a little bit further away from the season ending. I, I thought the way they played against Miami in that wildcard game, it, they probably should have lost the game, uh, that game in Buffalo, uh, where Skyler Tom, I mean, God, I mean, he starts the game, and they put a scare into the Bills that day. I think the Bills are the best team. I think that you're going to get a little bit more of a laser-focused Josh Allen this year. Clearly, things weren't right at the end of the year. I'd like a couple more guys to step up on the wide receiver end of things because I think Gabe Davis is a is a three. I don't I don't think he's a two. I think there's some other things that they have to still figure out there. I, I think there's another move for them too. I think they're still one piece away. And I need Vaughn to play the whole year, JJ, because their season really did change when Vaughn Miller got hurt. That's when their season actually changed. Mike Carver, Sports Grid, always fun catching up. Uh, you ready to buy a Yankee 15 to 1 World Series ticket? Met 18 to 1? Can I entice you? As I've to told one? you before, and I will tell you again, they will never win with that manager. They will never win with that manager, ever. Even after his big week and he's yelling at him, he, he loves that too. That's, to that's what he loves doing. That's when he, he loves, he loves being like, I'm a tough guy. I get thrown out of a lot of games. I stick up for the team. It's all nonsense is what it is, JJ. It is absolute nonsense what that guy does. Can't take it. And I'm not buying from, they're not winning the world series this year. There's no shot. They'll make the playoffs and they'll lose in the division round. That's what they're going to, they won't even make the ALCS this year. Totally understand the skepticism. Mike Carver, keep up the good work. We'll catch up before the U.S. Open. I know you'll be in the lab the next oh, few weeks. Oh, we're in Thanks, the lab, buddy. baby. Let's go. Always good, JJ. I'll talk to you soon. Good stuff there from our pal Mike Carver. And we'll have Carver back before the U.S. Open. And we'll have a nice card for everybody on what you need to bet and what we need to do. And we'll have it We'll have it covered every which way here on New York, New York. We'll be doing that with Hassan Rahim on the Ring of Gambling Show. But we'll have you covered uh, for our New York, New York audience. All right, before we say goodbye, Mr. Money. Game four, Western Conference Finals. Is it over? Or are we going back to Denver to play game five on Wednesday night? What's the uh, thought process, sir? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper pick to be for tomorrow, Monday the 22nd. Game four, the Western Conference Finals. I'm going to roll with the Lakers minus the three and a half over the Denver Nuggets. I know they're down three nothing. You don't expect them to come back in the series, but they got to show face. And if they're going to show face, I'm sure I'm, I'm figuring they're going to, uh, at least cover the three and a half, show some face out of it. So again, I'm going to go with the Lakers minus the three and a half. And let's see if we got a family play. All right, JJ. Everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. Um, from what I've seen in each of these individual series, it is far more likely the Lakers are going to extend it as opposed to Boston and the Miami Heat. I I'm amazed, by the way, that Miami is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. That's it. Against the Celtics in game number four. I mean, from what you've seen out of Celtics, how in the world can you put your money on that team? They lose the first two games at home and get absolutely annihilated here in game three. Like, there is no way in the world I put my money on the Celtics in game four. I see your logic with the Lakers showing face, but I think Denver is much better. That's the problem I have. Like. I'm going to be very careful 
with these individual games, especially game four, 3 0 and 3 0, respectively, because I know the public is going to be all over the Nuggets. They are. I know the public is probably going to be all over the Heat. They are. But it's hard to question motivation. Are you going to get a fired up LeBron, AD, and those role players are going to be ready to go? I mean, AD was fantastic. Fantastic. Not enough. You know, Reeves hit some big shots. Not enough. You didn't even get a vintage game out of Jokic because of the foul trouble. And Denver won that game comfortably. My lean on both of these is that they're over and four. And I'm not betting. I don't even think I'm betting them because I'm already, you know, I got my, my series bets. I, I don't love to sign either one of these games. I'm kind of treading lightly. I kind of think these series are over in four games. I think Denver's going to take care of business, gut feel more night. And I think the Heat are going to take care of business and end this baby in four. Can you imagine Heat and four, what you would have gotten from an odd standpoint if that happens? And we said on East Coast bias. I know I'm dropping out a lot, but we did. That series price was dead wrong. Boston minus 500. That was insulting to Miami. The odds makers have been getting Heat wrong again and again and again and again. They're probably going to do the same thing when we have the NBA Finals coming up in about a week and a half. Crazy turn of events in the NBA. So hopefully the good vibes with New York baseball continue to keep rolling. Maybe the Rangers will actually have a head coach that we could talk about in the next couple of days. And Nick fans, you want a comforting thought? You're not the Boston Celtics. How's that? Thanks to Carlos stepping in for Stefan. We will be back on Thursday on this feed for New York. New York, we will be back tomorrow. Late in the afternoon for East Coast Bias, but a whole lot of NBA chatter with Raheem Palmer and yours truly. JJ out. Enjoy your week. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous weather coming up in the tri-state New York area. We out. Be good, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.